We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. That Muhammad Ali wannabe right there is Vince D'Addario, a football analyst at irishbreakdown.com. I am Brian Driscoll, I'm your publisher, and today, Vince, we're going to talk about the offense a little bit. Yes. Today's show is interesting because, you know, we talked last week about breakouts on defense and just, you know, guys that we really think are going to come out and just have big years and be studs and all those kind of things. But it's 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 one of those situations where they don't have to be stars because Notre Dame already has some stars. When you look at, you know, obviously Isaiah Foskey and, sure. and Brandon Joseph. And even if Cam Hart just plays like he did last year, he's a pretty good football player last year. When you look at all those other different types of guys. So when, when you when you look at the offense, however, Vince, it's a completely different scenario. And and what I mean by that is offensively, they don't need – well, it would be nice if this guy steps up. They right. flat out need guys to step up, and so it completely changes the dynamic. So as we kind of go through this breakout section of the offense and guys that we kind of either are going to predict as breakouts or maybe say they need him to break out, it's a little bit more of a different dynamic because this is more of a need. Because well, as of right yeah. now, I would argue, Vince, that Notre Dame doesn't have a star player on offense right now. I would 100% agree with that. And I think that the breakout is different with this group because they need some guys to break out. They need they need leaders on this side of the ball. And I'm not saying that, they, that those guys won't emerge, but they need leaders on this side of the ball. They need some young guys to set up, not only from a leadership standpoint, but from an on-field production standpoint. They need some guys who were in the rotation that you know this past year, they but they weren't headline guys. Those guys need to be headline guys this right. year. They need guys to step up if they're going to keep up with the defense. I mean, we we're not going to argue the fact that the defense has been the guiding light for this team over, over the last handful of sure. years. They have been. And that's they obvious. Have and right. the offense needs to kind of pick up their pail and, and help out a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, and they need to be counted on like the defense has been counted on for Notre Dame. And right. in order for that to happen, there's guys that absolutely need to step up. They need to. And we'll see. I mean, I, I've got a lot of confidence in the guys that are on my list. Right. I do. But – I, you know, I'm not a fortune teller, right? I mean, I'm hoping they step up, but if they don't, we're going to have a lot of very different conversations post game this season. I correct thing, correct one thing. My comment meant to be they don't have a star outside of Michael Mayer. Fair enough. Because he's not on my list. Right, right. (laughs) So they don't have a star outside of Michael Mayer, but even then, a tight end is going to have a different impact than a quarterback a running back and those right. type of things. It's kind of the angle I was going with it. And it's great to have a, a, a stud tight end. I mean, I'm so happy that he plays for Notre Dame and not somebody yeah. else, but they need more than that. You, you know, you're right. You're not going to win a national championship on the shoulders of a tight end. If he's, if he's your only 
stud. He's exactly. Only impact player. Correct. Right. He can't be the only guy. Other guys have to step up. For me, I don't really care about guys stepping up from a leadership standpoint. For me. And I get where you're coming from. But for me, between Jarrett Patterson and Avery Davis, Drew Pine, whatever role he's in, I feel like there's enough leadership there. What Notre Dame needs is playmakers. Mm-hmm. They need playmakers to step up. They need guys that can take over games. And it kind of it kind of piggybacks off of a little bit of the conversation. We're going to go a different angle with it today. But off the conversation that Sean and I had on Saturday, which is if Notre Dame wants to be a legitimate high championship team, not a team that gets to the playoff and gets rolled once they get there. Right, right. If they want to be a team that can get there and, and compete for a championship and win a playoff game and, and go toe-to-toe with the team in the title game, they're going to need guys that can take a game over. That's what Notre Dame has lacked on offense for years. They haven't had that guy that could just take a game over Absolutely with his legs, agree. with his arm, with his hands. With on his a feet, multiple whatever. game situation. You know what I mean? Not like a one-off where one guy has right. a great game or or right. whatever. It's a guy that, hey, we, we're going to count on this and guy. Ideally, it needs to be a couple because I, yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy, and I'd have to think about it. I mean, I'm outside of a quarterback. Like Joe Burrow was brilliant in his two playoff games. Sure. But like you don't often see like running backs taking over two games. It's, it's like a big game here, a big game there. I mean, you'll see it. it, it but in each of those instances, he wasn't the only star or he wasn't sure. the only like impact type of player. So that's kind of where we're going to come from. And of course, as always, when we talk about breakouts, this show is going to focus on two different types of breakouts. And because we have a different show kind of planned for some of the guys that we had in the third category, we're going to have a different show planned to talk about them. This is going to be more of guys who are starters and, you know, good players that are, that we think are going to become like dynamic, like impact players, big play guys, or guys that were rotation players that we think are going to jump into very important starting roles. That's a good way to put it. Yes. Right. Very important starting roles. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We're going to kind of go with five, but we're going to tag team a, a cheat here a little bit. And that is, is we're going to start up, up front. Yeah. Because if this Notre Dame football team is going to be what it's capable of becoming this year, it's got to start up front. It's got to start with the offensive line. And, you know, we can kind of go through different players. Zeke Carell, Josh Lug, Jarrett Patterson's already established. But at the end of the day, we're going with the tackles. And Joe Walt and Blake Fisher, that was kind of the cheat because we both had them both on our breakout list. But in order to streamline this bad boy a little bit, we decided <laughs> let's throw them into one because – in reality, they they got to work together. 
if one tackle is playing great and the other's not, then this offensive line isn't going to be what it's capable of. So the first breakout for us, Vince, is, is rising sophomores, Joe Wall and Blake Fisher. And it has to be. And I was kind of looking at the comments that, that some people had as we were getting the show started, and some people said the entire offensive line. Look, there's merit to that. I think that that is – I'm not that's saying kind that of a that's, different conversation. Right, exactly. Right. I think I think we can all agree that if Notre Dame wants to do the things that we think that they are capable of, the offensive line needs to take a massive step forward than where they were last year. I, I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. And I think the impetus of that whole thing is the tackles. And, and those guys are studly. I mean, they were true freshmen last year. One guy only has pretty much a game and a half under his belt. Less than that, actually. And so we're, we're projecting a little bit, but if anybody said this time last year, you know, who's going to be the breakout sophomore offensive lineman, everybody would have said Blake Fisher. Joe Alt's the kind of guy that came out a little bit out of nowhere. We think we had – He was the fourth guy they put in at left tackle. I and mean, that's kind of coming out of nowhere, Vince. Like, we had a high ceiling. Yeah. yeah. No question, but we didn't expect him to hit that ceiling, and we don't think that he has yet. Right. But he did a great job once he got in. So – He's kind of sped up the process a little bit. So now you've got bookends that are both true sophomores, both have starting experience in big games. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for this group. And if the rest of the offensive line, and one of which happens to be a potential All-American in Jarrett Patterson, if they can follow the lead of those guys with their work ethic and their ability and everything else they've got going on, this is going to be a special offensive line. I'm not saying they're going to be the best in the country. But I think they can, be in the conversation. They, can, they can get up there. They can be top five. They can be in that conversation. So it has to start with those tackles, though. Right. It has to. And I think I feel very, very good about putting – those are the first two guys I put on my list. And I put them at the exact same time because they're both equally important to me anchoring the outside of that mm-hmm. offensive line. So Vince, first of all, how I'm impressed that you're you're bringing out the big words today, man. I'm digging it. Right? <laughs> I just, I'm in a like, school building, so I'm, I'm just like, feeling I it. I got to show that I'm educated and uh, come out with the impressive <laughs> words today. I'm digging it, buddy. I think your point is spot on, though. It's 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 funny. You go into last year, no one's shocked that Notre Dame had a freshman All American and off an offensive tackle, right? Left tackle. Right. No one is shocked by that. No, the surprise was who it was. Is the name? Yeah, right. Absolutely. And friend who said, "Well, yeah, knew all along." Okay, if he was, if Joe Walt was that much of a sure thing to start the season, he wouldn't have been the fourth guy that they turned to exactly at that point in time because again, he needed that development, and then he kind of got on the field in some tight end roles. And you're like, and the thing about Joe is, as a freshman, and the reason I got him on a breakout is even though he was pretty good as a freshman, he was still a freshman physically. Right. Like whereas Blake oh, yeah. is six six three thirty, he's just a big strong kid. Joe was a techni- uh, just a pure technician as a freshman. I think he's going to have a breakout because I think he is a guy that is going to add a lot of strength, Vince. And I think that's going to allow him to be even more effective. I think for Blake, it's just about be healthy and be consistent. Yep. And that's going to be the key for him is be healthy and be consistent. And you expect the freshman to kind of have some of those ups and downs. And even in the game, sure. the full game he played against Oklahoma State, he'd have some great snaps. And then there'd be like every fifth or sixth snap, he'd be, you know, he'd have that freshman technical mistake or the one time he got beat on a sack. I mean, he, should have had the guy he just didn't get out like he just was a little too patient maybe that guy got on him a little quicker than he thought and you know those things are going to happen it was never about ability or talent or anything like that and and so you know that's kind of where I am with with this group is I I just need to see them do it but to your point and this is the the question that the D troll hunter said is you know which lineman needs to break out the most for this team to be successful I I, I think it's the tackles I, I think the way that Notre those, Dame yeah. runs the football the tackles have to be effective. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to get to the edge. You can't get to the edge if you don't have effective blocking tackles. They need to be able to protect the quarterback. You can't do that if you don't have effective blocking tackles. You're not going to have an effective screen game if you don't have good blocking, if you don't have good tackles. Right. So when I look at the nature of this offense, I mean, the great offensive lines that Notre Dame has had in the last 10 years, they've had great tackle play for Absolutely. the most part. And even Christian Lombard in 2012 was a solid, steady player. But 2015, their tackle play was great. 2017, they got to it in a different fashion, but their tackle play was great. So, yeah, at the end of the day, the tackles have to play big-time football yes. for this group to reach its full potential. Yeah, no question no, about it. A- a- absolutely. I, I'm I'm really excited about this because it's rare that we get an opportunity to be excited about true freshman 
offense. I mean, sorry, true sophomores. They were true freshmen, but young guys on the offensive line. Usually those guys have to be kind of be in the incubator for a little while, you know, get stronger, get bigger. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about Joe Alt for me is that he still needs that. He he right. still he's you know, I just I actually just looked him up on the roster. He still has a baby face. You know right. what I mean? Like looks he, like a little kid, right? He does. If you didn't see that he was six, seven, three hundred plus pounds, you'd think he was a exactly 16, that, 17 year old kid. That's yeah. exactly my point. And so he's going to grow into his body and it's going to get bigger and thicker right. and he's going to get stronger. And so you can take what he did as a true freshman. Right. And get even more excited about it because you know just from a natural right. growth thing, he's going to get better. Right. And you know he's going to get coached up right at home by his dad and right. at John, who is a former sure. NFL offensive lineman, in case anybody doesn't know that. And additionally, while he's at school from here, he stands. So the future is very bright for these tackles, and it's going to be so much fun to watch. And I'm, I feel the same way I did about Michael Mayer going into his sophomore year. I'm guaranteed to get two more years with these guys. <laughs> and I'm yes. really excited about yes. it. You know what I mean? Because I don't, there's nothing guaranteed past three years. So very excited about these guys and what they're going to yeah. bring to the table over the next two falls. Well, you think about that Kirk Ferentz pedigree that they're going to have, right? I mean, you talked about his dad, John Alt. Well, who was John Alt's offensive line coach at Iowa? It's Kirk Ferentz. Right. Right. And, and then so when you can go home and get coached up by a John Ferentz, you know, or Kirk Ferentz disciple so to speak you know as a former player played in the nfl then that's a positive and then of course you come when you work with harry he stand so I, I think with 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 the tackles vince look they're going to have sophomore mistakes mm -hmm. they're still sure. sophomores mm -hmm. they're still going to have young guy mistakes blake fisher is going to have moments where you're like well yep that looked like a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience because he doesn't have a lot of experience but i think he's going to be able to overcome that and play great football because he's just an incredibly talented player it's kind of like the the, the year the Quentin Nelson had in 2015. I mean, we often forget that Quentin Nelson did not play a snap as a true freshman in 2014. Right. right. You go watch him in 2015, and he was a monster already. Now, again, he got better every year, but he was a monster as a redshirt freshman in 2015 as part of an, uh, an elite offensive line in 2015. So I think that it'll be good. And the, the nice thing, too, is, is if they move Jarrett Patterson to left guard like we anticipate, yep. the nice thing is both of the tackles are going to have a very – an older veteran player yes. right inside of them. You're going to have either you're going to have either Josh Lug, Jarrett Patterson, or Andrew Kristoffic inside each one of these guys, depending on how yeah. things shake out. That's a positive. Mm -hmm. and, and even if they decide to leave Jarrett Patterson at center, or Zeke Carell gets hurt, or something like that, Kristoffic's the same deal. He's a senior. He got a lot of starts last year. He's been in the system for four years now. I think that's going right. to be a positive as well for this group. But they need them to break out. But this isn't a need podcast we emphasize that guys need to step up but we're not the guys we're discussing aren't guys we think that need to step up as much as the guys that we think will yeah we predict that they will be breakouts and i think that by the end of the year people are going to be talking about this being one of the best tackle tandems in college football yes i really believe that's going to be the case i do too I and really it, do. and they it, would have been pretty good no matter who the coach was in my opinion they were I, pretty I, good in the bowl game i as agree with that too uh, but it's even more heightened now that, that Harry He stands here. And, and Vince, I was asked a question. You know, we did that special edition mailbag. I did that yesterday yeah, for yeah. the team, and I released the recruiting one today. But one of the questions was, why are you so optimistic on the line when we saw so little? We only saw a few practices in the spring. You know, you've only seen, you know, we saw the spring game, but but you haven't seen a whole lot. What What's your optimism level? And <laughs> And I think this duo right here epitomizes what that optimism is. It's a combination of excellent talent, God-given talent, yep. with who a guy that we believe is one of the best line coaches in the business. And, oh, by the way, Chris Watts also there, who we saw the impact he can have as a graduate assistant two years ago. Right. Look, the 2019 and the 2020 offensive lines looked like one thing. It wasn't impressive. The 2020 offensive line looked like a different thing. What's the only thing that was different amongst those groups Right. Well, 2021 didn't have all the Harry Heastamp proteges as players. 2019 did, though. 2019 offensive line wasn't very good. 2021 was awful. What made that 2020 line so much better? I really believe a lot of it had to do with Chris Watt and, and, and the air and the influence that Harry Heastamp had with Chris Watt, bingo. working with Chris Watt while Harry was in town not coaching. Now Harry's taking a much more hands-on approach as right. the offensive line coach. Yes, you have Chris Watt as his sort of protege and a very ta talented group. 
and it begins really with this duo because these are the two most just naturally God-given, yes. gifted players in the starting lineup are the two tackles. Right, and you also you know there's a track record for for Harry Heastan. I mean, we we do have we are going off of a track record of success, and we know that there's talent already in that room. And then if you use the track record that we already know about, I mean, come on, it just it, it I don't think that it's a it's that big of a reach for us to believe that the offensive line is going to be that much better. It's just not, I'm sorry. I, even in the limited amount of time that we were at practice, I still witnessed what Harry Heastan was doing. I still witnessed what Chris Watt was doing with those guys. It's a completely different ball game. It's just different. And anybody that has been around football and football coaches, I wish all of everybody in the chat over here could be at those practices to see what we see. And, and you did get a, a little bit of that, with the video that we would put out, you know, during spring ball and things like that, when we focused on the offensive line, but it's just different it, and in such a good way. And, and people have to understand that. And again, there's a track record there. So I don't think we're going too far out on a limb, to be honest with you. It's not a leap. I was trying to, I was hitting the button and it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't. It's not your time yet, Brian. It's not a leap to have the tackles there at all. Right. Now, some of the others, there are some leaps sure. that we're making. And that's where I want to transition to number two. I, I want to have this conversation because we've had some interesting conversations about this player. And and I continue to be perplexed at the manner in which he's talked about in, in some circles amongst Notre Dame Nation, and that is Chris Tyree. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny how much the what you saw most recently can completely change a perception when chris tyree signed with notre dame it was like the biggest coup and forever they beat oklahoma they it was beat a big Alabama deal for him i i remember standing in the old loftus center up they would always put the media up on the balcony right <laughs> and i think it must have been a spring practice and, and you and i were there we're just chit-chatting he was walking around the track with his mom mm-hmm. and you're like that guy mm-hmm. right there like sure. they want that guy right bad you know, right. I remember having that conversation with you about him. It doesn't seem like that long ago. And now it wasn't he, that long. He's ago. almost he, like a forgotten dude. Right. I mean, as a rising true junior. Right. 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 And, you know, then as a freshman, he, you know, he, he gets a little bit of playing time, looks great when he does it, averages 6.8 yards per carry. Right. And then he comes out last year and it just kind of the, the wheels fall off. And, and you'd have thought like he made more impact plays last year even though the numbers didn't look as good yeah. than he did the year before, if you think about it. You know, some of the big plays he had the year before were late in games, mop-up time, things like that, whereas last year, I've talked about it before, the 55-yard catch in the fourth quarter against Toledo that proved to be a huge part of that game. Yeah. The kick return for a touchdown against Wisconsin that that turned a 13-10 to deficit in the fourth quarter into a 17-13 lead. You talk about the 53-yard catch and run against Oklahoma State. I mean, yeah. he, he had some moments, but his overall production was bad. And there's some reasons for it. Number one is Chris has got to continue improving his game. He's got to be, you know, sure. he's got to continue to be more patient and, you know, then combine that with being decisive. And there's aspects of his game that continue need to improve as all rising juniors do. Mm-hmm. He has to stay healthy. You know, he's had That's little dings and, 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 and comments like that. I had said, I, I was on the impression Vince that I, I had been told that he was out in the spring with a concussion. That's what I was told. I was somebody else told me yesterday, reached out to me, said, No, that wasn't it. It was an ankle. It wasn't a concussion mm. that kept him out. It was an it was an ankle. Interesting. It's like, okay, well, that's actually a little bit more concerning for me because he also had an ankle injury as a senior in high school. Right. That's really the big issue for me. And I think the other thing that hurt Chris Tyree as far as a perception standpoint is he doesn't play like Kyron Williams. Right. And and I think that's a mistake that that some fans make is is this guy doesn't do the things this guy can do. And I was having this discussion on the message board and I just bowed out because it was obvious that like, just <laughs> minds weren't being changed, Shocker. And it was, well, he doesn't break any tackles. I'm like, okay, that here we're we're at that again, right? Number one. Number mm-hmm. and, and that's more of a well, no, he doesn't play like Kyron. He doesn't break tackles like Kyron. This notion that he just goes down on, you know, the first contact is just I mean, I could literally put together a ton of clips. I've done this, I've done this before. I'm like, am I I go back and watch film and you go back to his first carry against Bama and he runs through a couple guys to convert a third down and you know, but it's he's not elusive. He doesn't, you know, run run through arm tackles like Kyron or he doesn't make people miss like Kyron. Well, that's not his game. 
first of all. And it never will be. It never will be. They're different players. Right. And and so the point I made was if you look at if you look at pro football focus, which again, terrible grades, good at data analysis or right. data data collection. Collection. Yep. They had his his the number of tackles he forced, he, the number of forced missed tackles he had in, as a freshman when he was healthy. And you compare that to Kyron Williams at the same age, at, you know, it is his first year in the lineup. And Chris Tyree was a, was it like 14 point something percent and Kyron Williams was like 18 point something percent, right? So Kyron forced more missed tackles, but it wasn't by a big amount like you'd expect it would be. Well, then you fast forward to then you look at the, the and so, so I put that out there and the response was, well, you know, well, they're different backs because the other part of my data point was. But if you look at big playability, Kyron Williams, if you look at you know, the runs he had of 10 or plus yards, it was in like the 20 percent. OK. And if you look at the number of, of runs that Chris Tyree had that went for 10 plus yards, it was significantly higher than Kyron Williams on a per snap basis. And he says, well, yeah, they're different players. And it's like, my point was, is that the gap in what Kyron does really well is much closer than the gap between what Chris Tyree does well. And that's the thing is it's like that, 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 that thing where you say, you know, everybody wants to look at what he doesn't do well or as well as other guys and then hold him to that and then ignore the things he does well. Like the only thing he brings to the table is home run speed. Well, I'm like, well, that's kind of a big deal. It's a huge number deal. One. What's the big number knock on Notre Dame all the time? No, they don't have the speed. Right. But I, I think the thing that gets missed with Chris is if you go back and look at some of the runs he had as a freshman when he was healthy and he had a good line, a one-cut guy like Chris Tyree is not going to be good behind a line like the one Notre Dame had last year. It's just not. It's just he's not going to make the tack. The, he's not going to make the 90-plus yard touchdown right. run that Kyron Williams had against North Carolina. He's just not. I, and and I'll, I'll admit that, right? And, and I'm, I'm a believer that Chris Tyree is going to break out. I'll admit that. That's not his game. Just like Kyron's not going to turn a small crease on an inside zone into a 90-yard touchdown. But you go back and look at like his touchdown running against Florida State and the patience he showed, letting that, that counter play develop and then explode through for the touchdown. Yeah. You go look at the touchdown he had against Clemson, and, and I've had somebody say, well, that was against backups. No, 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 no. Go look at the play. Go look at the people that were on defense for Clemson. That was not their backup defensive group. And the, and the vision to see that and then cut it out the backside as a, an off-tackle play and cut it out the backside and then outrun the defense, those are not just, oh, he's just fast. Right. He has vision. He has good agility. He's just a different style runner. He is a read, one cut, and go guy. That's what Chris Tyree is. And that's okay. And but But the caveat is, Vince, that guy, in my opinion, needs to run behind a specific type of line. I will say that last year he didn't have it. No. 2020 he did. 2022 I think he will again. So this kind of ties in with the first breakout that I I really believe this. I really believe that if big if Chris Tyree can stay healthy, there's a lot of Notre Dame fans that just want that guy out of the lineup. They're just like, I don't care. I want Diggs. I want Estimate. I want Price. I want anybody else but Chris Tyree. Yeah, but right. I, I don't understand that. Yeah. You're gonna. I think if he stays healthy, then they're gonna. They're going to look back on that and be like, boy, was I wrong. If he gets hurt, they're going to just sit there and say, I, well, see, I was right. This is why I didn't want him there, which is fine. That's fine. But if he can stay healthy and he can prove that he can answer the bell week after week after week, he, I think he's going to be not just a breakout, like a good complimentary. I mean, I'm talking 1,000-plus yards, yeah, yeah. Like a guy that teams are just having the game plan around because, yeah, he's not a high-volume guy, which I'll explain in a minute after Vince gets his thoughts in but a guy that you, you've got a game plan for because if you don't account for him one time, doesn't matter where you are on the field, right. he can take it the distance. And he's already shown he can do that. Well, and he can he is he's dynamic in multiple ways as well. I think that has to be remembered. I mean, he did catch that ball against Oklahoma State, and you know, that was a game turning type play. Right. I mean, no question about it. So he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a one cut runner, just like you said. His speed is dynamic, no doubt about that. Now I think that if he was your only back, he's less effective. I will say that. I think he needs that there needs to be a change of pace back yeah. to, to complement him, right? He, this isn't 1980, whatever, where he's your he's your bell cow, et cetera. That's not his game. And, and if anybody's expecting that to be his game, they're gonna be disappointed. That's not who he is, right? If he's getting the ball 20 plus times a game, I don't think he's going to be as effective. I don't mm -hmm. now. He can be really effective if he gets the ball 12 to 14 times a game or 10 to 12 times a game. 
you know, I think that's kind of the wheelhouse for me for Chris Tyree. So he does need some support in the backfield. And luckily this running back room is very deep and they've got, they've got guys that can complement Chris Tyree because, and they can he, sustain injuries a little better than some pass groups have because of how deep they are. Absolutely. And so you don't need to put Chris Tyree in position potentially to get injured more often, right? I mean, the more times you carry the ball, more opportunities you have to get hurt. Right. The biggest my biggest question mark is injuries with him. There's no I mean that that's that's just the way it is right. uh, for the first two years that he's been in a gold helmet. And if he can stave off the injury bug, and remember, people also have to understand running backs are going to get hurt. Running backs are going to get dinged up. It's it's what specific kind of injury does he get that is going to hamper the way he plays, okay? I, I don't know how else to kind of describe it. You know, if, if he's got a sore hamstring, there's certain running backs that can play through that because they're just going to run it through the tackles and lower their head and just bang, bang, bang. Well, that severely hinders a guy like Chris Tyree, okay? Now, a sore hamstring is not good for any running back. Don't get me wrong, but I'm I'm trying to make the point is that some t- some little injuries that wouldn't affect certain kinds of running backs will affect Chris Tyree and then vice versa. So if he can stave off the injury bug, I think he's going to be special. I if and if they can put his carries between the 10, 12, 14 area, he's going to be super special. And you're also going to see some other guys step up if that's the case. You're, you're going to see some other guys break out. There, there's no doubt about it. But I still think that Chris Tyree kind of needs to be that leader. He's going to be that big play guy. He's right. going to affect the game multiple, multiple ways, passing game, running game, return game. It, this is a breakout year for him. I really do believe that. Right. Here's a point that I think people need to understand, too. We're, we don't think Chris Tyree is a workhorse, but doesn't have to be. Exactly. Uh, you know, look, I've pointed this. like So if you look at his his potential production, right? Somebody said when well, he's not a 20 carry back. And you know, my response was, well, you just don't see that very often. That's not not many guys are accurate, yeah. That type of player anymore. And you know, we 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 kind of saw a little bit of it last year with uh, the you know Kenny Walker and, and Brees Hall. We saw a little bit of of you know, those were two guys that I thought, you know, they carried the ball a lot. I'm gonna look up <clears throat> the number of times they carried the ball 20 plus times a game. You know, Kenny Walker carried the ball 20 plus times a game and all but uh, was he one, two, three regular season games? One of which was against Youngstown State when he only carried it seven times because of a blowout. And then in the blowout loss to Michigan State, Brees Hall, you saw him carry the ball at least 20 times in six different games, which is a high number, right? But right. those guys were also the only ball, to your point, the only ball carriers in the backfield, right? You know, a team I like to point to was like Georgia in 2017 when they had Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb and they both went for a thousand yards. Well, Nick Chubb, who is a workhorse back in 15 games that year, Vince, you wonder how many times he carried the ball more than 19 or more times? Twice. Once. Now, if you if I were to say 18 or more times, the answer okay. would be twice. Okay, okay. In 13 cool. of the 15 games, he carried fewer than 18 times. Still rushed for 1,000 yards. He averaged six yards a carry. So if you think about it, so if Chris, let's say Chris Tyree averages 12 carries a game. That's it. 12 carries a game. And he averages 6.8 yards per carry, which is what he averages as a true freshman. He'll rush for 1,000 yards in the regular season. If he averages only 6.5 yards per carry, he would need the play of the postseason game to okay. get to 1,000 yards. Okay. If he carries the ball 13 times a game, one more time per game at 6.8 yards per carry, he's over 1,100 yards on the season. And, and, and so that's kind of the thing is, you know, he doesn't have to carry the ball 20 times to get his. He's a different kind of back. And 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 so that's kind of where you just have to understand what he is. He is not a grinder. If you need someone to grind, you're going to put somebody else in the game. But that doesn't mean he also can't get some of the tough yards when he needs to as well, which he has done a couple of times in his career when given the opportunity. And he uses his his pad level sure. and his size and those type of things. Absolutely. So, and then you add in the pass receiving aspect of it, mm-hmm. you know. So you're talking about a guy that could, you know, could get to a thousand to eleven hundred yards on twelve carries a game. Perfect. And then you add, you know, three carries for, you know, even if he only does like three catches a game for ten right. averages, ten yards a catch, which is a not exactly a a, a potent number. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You know, that's another three hundred and sixty yards onto his total. Well. Again, I think you and I would agree that I, th- I think he's certainly more than capable of catching more than that. 
Sure. You're being conservative for for, for this this scenario. Right. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him as a guy that, you know, I think is going to probably rip off a few more plays. I mean, Kyron Williams, for example, caught 42 passes last year for 359 yards, but Kyron did things a little bit differently than Chris Tyree. Chris Tyree averaged 10.8 yards per carry or per catch. So even if you just do that, you know, that's another 360 yards. Plus he's going to have at least four or 500 yards on kick returns. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's going to creep up on a couple thousand yards. Yeah, 2,000 yards of all per- all 2,000 right. all-purpose yards, right? That's, that's a breakout player for that's me. That's absolutely a breakout right? player. And it's yeah. not him becoming a workhorse right. or, and us asking him to be you're, something that he's not. You're, you're being very conservative with the receiving yards and with the return yards. That's an and, average of 16 right. touches touches a game. Exactly. That's and not I, a lot. And I think that if you are in that range, especially from a, from a uh, running scenario, right, I think that's perfect for him. Now, right. I could very easily see him get up in kind of the five-catch neighborhood because they're going to want to get him in space. Right. And if you, Which we saw in the bowl game, by the absolutely. way. We caught six passes. Exactly. And you, you swing one out to him, you know, where he has to make one cut in the open field. Uh, okay. You right. know what I mean? And, and Or he just be- outruns the defense to the sideline, which is what he did in the then, bowl game on that first catch of the game. Right. Exactly. He just outran the defense to the sideline. Yes, exactly. So I, I think that you're being very conservative with those numbers, but if he can get up to 2000 yards of all purpose, I, I think that's breakout like that. Right. That is who we, we, that is who Notre Dame needs him to be in order to have a successful offense and a successful team in general. They need him to be around that 2000 yard mark. And I think that's a very mm-hmm. doable very conservative number for him mm-hmm. when you spell it all out. No question. I'm not to be a fanboy there, Brian. Well, not, I'm not on the team. It's all good. I know you're, you're, I get where you're coming from. You're looking at it from a coach's standpoint. That's, that's my story for you and I'm sticking to it. I, I, I think there, I think another thing that needs to happen, Vince, is at least one pass catcher has to step up for Notre Dame Absolutely. this year. I Absolutely. think the good news for me is the bad news is, is Notre Dame doesn't have great depth, right? Mm-hmm. They just, they don't. The good news is, is that the depth they do have is, is talented. I mean, there's several players I think could, could have breakout years. You know, like I don't see Avery Davis having a breakout year. I, I just I just want to see a- Avery keep doing what he did last year before that, he got hurt. Right. That's, that's why the thing for me. Right? I love Avery Davis. Yeah. I am a huge Avery Davis fan. And I was like, okay, how do I weasel him into this conversation? Right. right? And but that doesn't fit the scenarios right. of what we're he just about. needs to get back to being yes. what he was what to really did. help this offense. If he does what he does. Right. It's going to be great. He's going to be a great compliment to some other guys. But they need somebody to kind of have a breakout. What does sure. a breakout look like? Obviously, there's the Will Fuller type of breakout as a sophomore in 2014. There's the there's the Golden Tate breakout as a true sophomore in, in 2000 and in uh, 2008. Right, where Will Fuller and Golden Tate both had six catches as freshmen. The next year they broke out. Will, I think, had like 76 catches for, I think it was like a little over 1,000 yards and then 1,100 yards. And then Golden Tate went from like six catches to 58 for over 1,000. I think it was like 1,080 that next year. Those are big-time breakouts. I don't sure. think that's necessarily needed because they have Michael Mayer, who's going to get a lot of volume. Sure, but you need to have someone that's at least like an Equinemy St. Brown in 2016, or better yet, like a like Kevin Austin last year. Mm-hmm. If you know, if if all that a player like let's say our first guy we're going to talk about a receiver is Lorenzo Styles as a potential breakout player, <clears throat> a guy that I think is going to break out. Assuming again, the caveat for all these guys is health, yeah, right? And that that's the nature of football. You got to stay healthy. For some, it's more of a concern than others. This has never been a concern for Lorenzo up to this point. But if all Lorenzo does is, you know, 45 to 50 catches for 800 to 900 yards, just very similar to what, what Kevin Austin brought to the table last year, seven touchdowns, that's a breakout year for me. Absolutely. Because he's doubling his catch total. He's doubling, close to doubling his catch total, but he's more than doubling his yards total. Right. And, and then obviously his touchdown total would take a big jump because he had 24 catches for 344 yards and a touchdown last year. Well, and those that that would that would put him firmly in that second category, right? That kind of rotational type player who becomes a very important starter. Yeah. And the numbers that you just laid out, that equals very important starter. That is a guy that you can count on. That is a guy that is going to show up every day, do his job, and be a leader in that room and on the field as a wide receiver. Those, right. those are great numbers. Those, those are fantastic numbers, but I think he has the ability to be even better than that. Correct. Now, the reason I'm saying that would even count as a breakout for me is, yeah. again, because of two things. I think they're going to run the ball more effectively than they did last year. 
I think the quarterback run is going to eat up some yards that weren't eaten up last year by other players. And number three, I think that you're in a situation where because of Michael Mayer's presence, Mm -hmm. because of Avery Davis being healthy, because of other receivers that we're going to talk about, I, I, you know, I'd be a little surprised with like a 50 to 60 catch a thousand plus yard season. He's more than capable of it. And and again, this is a position where I don't think you need to necessarily go from, you don't need to have, you don't have to be like a guy that is, um, you know, you've been in the system three years and now you're, you're stepping up and you're making a ton of plays. I mean, you, we see it all the time. I mean, who's, who's Notre Dame's first opponent this season, right? It's Ohio state. Do you know how many catches that, do you know what Jackson Smith and Jigba's numbers were as a true freshman in 2009 and 2020 played seven games in COVID year. He had 10 catches for a whopping 49 yards, one touchdown, and you know, no rushes. He had three punt returns for eleven yards. And then you look at him in twenty twenty one, and he jumps to ninety five catches for sixteen hundred yards and nine touchdowns. Receiver is one of those positions where I don't put as much emphasis on on experience. Is the point you said that which before? Is, yeah, right. Which is why you see Equinemy St. Brown go from one catch and as a freshman to over fifty for almost a thousand as a sophomore, and Will Fuller, and you saw it from Will Fuller. You know, you saw it from. Uh, Golden Tate, which we talked about, you know, even Chris Olave, who had 12 catches for 197 yards as a freshman. You know, again, we're using Ohio State because that's Notre Dame's first opponent. He had two catches for the first like eight, nine games of his his uh, freshman year. He ended up the year with like 12 catches for 197 yards. Then he goes out the next year. He goes for four, very similar to, to Lorenzo Styles, less than Lorenzo Styles. 12 catches for 197 yards, three touchdowns is more. Lorenzo had twice as many catches and almost on almost not quite as uh, twice as many receiving yards. The next year, Chris Olave goes out with a, a stat line that's very similar to what I could see from Lorenzo Styles, which is 49 catches for 849 yards. Yeah. He had 12 cu- touchdown receptions. I think that that is something I think the presence of Michael Mayer and Tyler yeah. Buckner tamps down the, the yeah. touchdown receptions for the Notre Dame players. And it's a different scheme. And that year, Chris Olave had one catch, one game of over 100 yards, and he missed a game. He didn't play against Michigan State, and he had 49 catches for, um, for 849 yards. So, uh, you know, I I could see that kind of jump coming from him this season. There, sure. There's no I, I think that's a reasonable jump. I, I don't yeah. see the Smith and Jigba numbers. I don't see that right. per se. No, no because he, needs- he doesn't have Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave right. taking pressure off he of him. Doesn't either. need to. That like that doesn't right. need it's to a be a different re- offense as well. Uh, very far bad. more volume from a pass game yeah. standpoint, yeah. right? He doesn't need to be that. He he needs to just be a guy that is going to do his job and and through the the progression of the offense, he's going to get his opportunities, right? And that is he's going to be just fine doing that. I I see I see no problem with that. I I you know fifty catches, eight hundred and fifty yards. That's a breakout for 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 him. There, I mean, that would be fantastic. You know, he he's a borderline number one receiver in this offense with with those numbers, depending on you know kind of how things shake out. And I think that's very doable for him. So right. I, I think that Lorenzo Styles is going to break out in a different way than the next guy we're going to talk. Well, about. Well, I want to say this I, I, before we move on to him. I, I think Lorenzo Styles is going to break out this season for me. I have zero doubt. The only question goes back to what you said at the very beginning, Vince. The question is, is he a breakout guy in the first category that he becomes just a, a really good starter after being yeah. a backup for all but one game last year? Cause let's not forget the bowl game padded his stats a little bit last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. And he gets for over a hundred yards. Yeah. Right? No. And, and, made him look like his season long impact was greater than it was. It sure. wasn't, he didn't really step into the lineup and start making plays till the end of the year when Avery Davis got hurt. Right. So you look at that and you say, okay, he's going to at least improve and become, like I said, a minimum 40 catch for 700 guy, as you said, he's capable of becoming that next level guy. Sure. Sure. That to me is going to be dependent upon a couple things. Do they throw enough to do that? but I really believe they need a second receiver to step up to take to, as a legitimate weapon, not like an Avery Davis, like just do your job, like just like a legitimate second game plan concern for opponents yeah. for him to, to really take that step. And yeah. that player Vince is where you wanted to go yes. because we, we agreed on this one. We actually agreed on all of these. We had Scary. no differences of opinion. <laughs> well, yeah. it's just, 
I think it's a different type of situation, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, than defense, but we had no disagreements here. Uh, so our next guy is obviously Braden Lindsay. Yeah, it's got to be Braden Lindsay. And and what you're talking about is, is somebody that can take the pressure off of Lorenzo Styles because he's a different type of receiver. He's the type of receiver that can take the top off of a defense, and so you have to play them horizontally right. as a, a you know equal to vertically, right? And we always talk about horizontally being, you know, you got you've got a. Uh, it, it, I know it doesn't make sense to some people, but you you have to play him differently. You can't. You have to be worried about him stretching the field, and that is going to open up guys like Avery Davis and Lorenzo Styles to do what they do underneath, and and Michael Mayer for that matter, right? But if you don't have that threat, well, now you can bring the defense down. It takes away your crossing patterns. It takes away some of the levels and the things that you want to do. You have to have that threat, that deep threat, and I, I'm telling you. Braden Lindsay can be that guy. And I know that we've said that in the past, but I have seen with my own two eyes, a different Braden Lindsay at practice. True. He, he's a different dude. He, he does not remind me of the Braden Lindsay that we had seen before. It's just a different work ethic. It's, it's a different attitude. When the ball's in the air, it's a different attitude. Him fighting for the ball, him, you know, the way he runs his routes, all of these different things to me add up to him being a breakout player and that will only enhance the breakout ability of these other guys as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think that I'd, I'd be shocked if Brayden Lindsay becomes like a thousand yard guy. I sure. just, unless he does it on like 40 some catches, right? An average is like 25 right. yards. Right. right. He doesn't need right. to be. If he just gives me, like, you look at his freshman, his sophomore year, Vince, like, this is the guy we keep pointing back to. This is the guy we think and hope he can be. And it's been three years now since that guy sure. showed himself. But this is what I think that Brayden Lindsay can be and why we continue to talk about him and why he gets a little bit more benefit of the doubt than others, because he, he is a guy that can do things that a lot of guys on the roster can't do. You know, last year he had 37 total touches in 13 games. I don't think they did enough to game plan to get him the ball more. I, I understand why. Cause I think there was legitimate concerns about, you know, is he going to be able to answer the bell every week? Well, Braden answered the bell every week last year. Yeah. And that was a big step for mm. him. Huge. And and now he's had the offseason that he's had. And and so you look at his 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 sophomore year, his redshirt freshman year for Notre Dame. He had 13 rushes for 200 yards and two touchdowns. He averaged 15.4 yards per rush. The two touchdowns were obviously a 60 some a 60 was like a 60 uh 60 yard jet sweep against Boston College. And then he had a I think 51 yard uh reverse against USC that went for a touchdown. Then catching-wise, he only had 11 catches, but he had 254 yards per catch, and that's 23.1 yards per catch. He had two touchdowns. Obviously, he had a 70-plus-yard touchdown reception against Navy. And and so he's a guy that has shown Vince the ability to be a home-run weapon as yes. a receiver. And, you know, he had the 50-plus-yard touchdown against New Mexico. His, his, and his one touchdown, and this is the part of his game that I don't think it's enough love and something he needs to show this year is, Remember, one of his touchdowns was a catch and run on a look screen, a now screen against New Mexico. That was his other receiving touchdown where he had to make some people miss, then use his speed. So I think the way that Tommy Reese wants to use the offense, which is pro style, so a combination of vertical stuff with crossers and drags and, and things like that, where you're getting teams chasing across the field, he is a he is a great weapon for that. Him and Lorenzo Styles both. But even more so, Braden, if you can use him on motions and shifts and isolations where you can kind of get him a free release, which you can do. There's there's plenty of ways to get a receiver a free release. Sure. Now, the other part is Braden's got to improve his game. Mm-hmm. This is the big thing. It's like staying healthy. Game plan's got to be designed more for him. But the big thing for Braden is he's got to improve his game. And this is what we started to see in the spring. Now, in the spring game, there was a two or three snaps where I saw him like, okay, he's putting that better coaching to use. Vince, you had made a comment about 
one of the practices you were at, he was in the back of the line because he had just kind of taken a rep. Chancey Stuckey had kind of was correcting someone or not maybe correcting, but more of, of just giving teaching. more teaching, like and showing the guy what he was doing. And Braden Lindsay's back there mimicking Chancey Stuckey. Now, yeah. when I say mimicking, I'm not talking about mocking. No, I mean, he's hearing the teaching. He's trying to quickly like work his body through it to do it. He was, he was just a sponge. Never seen that before. Right. Ever. Right. Right. And so from any, any of the receivers. And right. and so he's got to, he's got to now start applying that more consistently in the spring yeah. game. We saw a few times you're like, okay, there it is. And then there's a few other times where it's like, okay, he's still just trying to run a buy a guy on a, on a jet release. Can't right. do that. Right. You got to get that release clean. You can't just outrun dudes because he's a, I think a low four, four guy, you know, maybe he's, he's a little faster than that. But the reality is, is in a receiver, a corner that runs a four five, you're not going to just outrun him if he's got his hands on you. Right. You've got to learn to get that step and stack. And if he can get that step and stack, then I think that's where he, you start to see his speed really take off and he starts to make more plays. He's got to understand that. And I think he's get, I think he got that. I think he started yeah. to show that. But you know, I, I think he's a guy too, Vince, that that if you can if you can find ways to utilize him more and get him more touches to where he's getting four to five touches per game they don't have to all be catches just touches right. per game kind of get him in that 40 to 50 total touches range as we talked about last year that's that sweet spot for Braden Lindsay I agree because volume doesn't need to be high if you use him correctly and he's playing his game then I think what's going to happen is is you're going to see then his yards per cut his yards per touch go back to like what it was in 2019 which as we talked about his yards per touch in 2019 was just was absurd I mean it was just yards wasn't it over 20? Right. Yeah. I mean, he he had, so let's see, he had 200 r- rushing yards, uh, 254 receiving yards, and on uh, 24 total touches for 18.9 per play. You know, and that included a, a one-yard play against Michigan that kind of brought that down. And, you know, but 29.3 on uh, yards on three touches against New Mexico, 29.5 on – on two touches against USC, he had 12.5 against Virginia Tech, 32.3 against Navy, uh, 61 on one jet sweep against Boston College, 16 on on six touches, or excuse me, 96 yards, six touches, 16 yards per touch against Stanford. Uh, you know, he's just a guy. That was an interesting game. He had 48 yards on rushes and 48 yards on receiving, right? That's, and that's, that's where that – right. That's where that, that sweet spot needs to be for Braden yeah, Lindsay. So. Right. If they can find ways to get him going again, his breakout is more so it may not be the volume standpoint that, that other players are. He may end up being Notre Dame's third or fourth leading receiver, but as long as he leads the team in yards per touch, that's what I care about. Yeah, yep. and it, Get a minimum, minimum 35 touches for the season touches minimum 35. I think kind of, it said 40 to 45 fifties, that sweet spot for him. And then get him to around 20 yards a touch, which is what he was. Now, all of a sudden, you're talking about a guy that's close to 1,000 yards of production. There's no reason he can't be that guy if game plan for properly and if Braden continues to take his craft seriously. I think that's the biggest thing for him. And I think that's where the coaching of Chancey Stuckey is going to be there because I don't think the players were – I don't think the players were taught to properly understand the need to take their craft seriously. Right. And now they are. And and I think Braden's hungry too. I really do. I, I think he's hungry. I think I, hungry. I think I think Braden Braden listens too much to the criticism. Like I wish players didn't care what people thought about him. Like you know, like just whatever people are going to say what they're going to say, and just understand that the the vocal minority of on Twitter are not who represent most fans. But he does listen to it, and and I think he's taken a he's taken a healthy approach to it in that. Okay, I, I I see what's being said. Now let me go show you what I can do. Not like a screw the fans. It's not like that. It's a screw the criticizer, screw the people that don't. It's not like that. That's not a healthy approach, in my opinion. I think Bray, Bray's taking a healthy approach. Like, okay, I, I I know I'm a great player. I know I can be a, a difference maker. I'm going to show you that I can be that guy. Right. And I think that's a sign of maturity and a, and a sign of a guy that understands the impact he can have on his football team. Because I think that's where most fans are. Like, I think most of the f- criticism comes from what fans want him to be and what they know he can do and they want to see it. Cause fans, fans don't criticize a guy for not being that good. Right. Right. Like look at Chris Fink fans loved him. Why? Cause they felt like he was getting the most out of his ability. Right, sure. 
And so, and the expectations were low. Well, with Braden, the expectations were much higher, and the thought is that he has more ability. And so I think people, there's a lot of fans who are who are hoping and their fingers crossed, like, oh, man, I just hope that we get to see that guy again. Because I think most fans rec- recognize that if Braden Lindsay is the guy we all thought he could be and the guy he flashed in the second half of the year in 2019 when he finally was getting touches designed for him, he has a big impact on this football team. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. I have confidence that Tommy Reese understands how to use Braden Lindsay because he's used him that way in the past. Like he he mm-hmm. was the offensive coordinator in 2019. No, 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 that was Chip. Okay, I'm that sorry. Was Chip. He didn't take over to the bowl game in 2019, but he was on the staff. I mean, he there. was the quarterback's coach. I mean, he understands how things go. He's seen the production. And so I, I believe that he understands how to get Braden Lindsay involved. And I also believe that he understands getting him involved is only going to help. And you talked about him being a master of his craft. He's got to be able to get off press coverage. And this goes for all the receivers, but he has to show that he's effective doing crossers and inside routes as well as the go routes. Otherwise teams just gonna play zone on him. They're just going to hang back or they're going to get in his face and not let him take off. And he's going to be completely ineffective. You have to, you can't just be a one trick pony. You have to be able to do both and you have to be able to do both at a high level. And I think he can do that because he has gone back to the basics because Chancey Stuckey is forcing him to, but he's bought in. He has bought into what Chancey Stuckey is selling, and so he's going to be a master at both of those different things. And if he can do that, now you're in a pickle if you're the defense, right? Because you've got to decide, okay, are we going to play him inside leverage? We're not going to allow the outside or the inside you know, moves, the, the crossers and things like that, but we're going to give him the outside, or are we going to play him outside? We're going to take away the top of the defense stuff, but we're going to let him go over the middle, where he can extend out to full speed and get the ball in stride and good things happen there too, you know, and then you add in the reverses and the the different things that, you know, we've seen this team do. Now he becomes a triple threat. And that's where, again, it's not about the quantity and, and I will give credit where credit is due. D rock says it's quality over quantity. And he is yes. hundred percent correct on that. When it comes to Braden, With two of the guys were, I would say the same thing about Chris Tyree. Agreed. It's Absolutely. The, it's the yards per carry is going to matter a whole lot more to me than the total yards. Right. And to to with you know if you understand correctly what I'm looking for there. Here's the other aspect of Chris Tyree and Brayden Lindsay that's very important because they're both they're both sort of like that vertical speed home run guy. Lorenzo Styles is as well. It's very we've really done a nice job transitioning here, Vince, with a lot of these guys. And there's other receivers we can talk about. I, I think Deion Colsey has breakout talent. I just need to see more of right. it. You know, Tobias Merriweather's is a freshman. We'll talk about him later. But a lot of this all revolve goes back to one guy. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, in two different ways, all of this leads back to Tyler Buckner. Absolutely. And that is our final breakout player. And, and what I mean by in two different ways is number one for Tyler Buckner to max for Tyler Buckner to maximize his potential. And this is true of any quarterback. You need a good supporting cast. No one disputes that, right? What I think is often uh, overlooked is I don't think the supporting cast for Notre Dame gets enough respect. Agreed. I don't think there's enough value put placed on the guys they have coming back that have proven something. Avery Davis and what he can do. Michael Mayer being a stud tight end the town in the backfield. And then this assumption that, well, you know, this guy, you know, Notre Dame's receivers don't break out like others for some absurd reason. You know what I mean? Like other teams may have guys that go from, you know, okay, you know, production is freshman to breakouts, but it doesn't happen to Notre Dame, even though I could give you ample evidence that it is true, right. you know, and, and, but it is what it is. I think that that talent is there. It just needs to step up. And then that takes some of the burden off of Tyler Buckner. The flip side is also true because Tyler Buckner plays the game the way that I, that he does. And, and again, I'm going back to not what he did last year. I'm going to go back to his high school film. And you look at what Tyler Buckner was, why he was recruited to Notre Dame. Okay. And it's a situation where you look at and say his, obviously his running ability. We all know not just, but not just designed runs, but the design run aspect, which is important is going to take pressure off of Chris Tyree and Audric Estime and the rest of the Notre Dame running backs, right? But also his scrambling ability is going to add to the offense, but his scrambling ability is also going to add to guys like Braden Lindsay and Michael Mayer and Chris Tyree. And we already saw with Chris Tyree last year. We saw that against uh, against Toledo where he's kind of running left and, and they're thinking he's going to run, so they immediately come out, uh, up. 
Well, Notre Dame had a great play call where they took, a, I think it was a post route. They ran it off at a post route and then had Tyree just sneak up the sideline. It was a, it was a, oh, a design yeah. wheel route. I yeah. That. And so Tyler takes a couple steps. Toledo thinks he's running. They come up and he just pops right over their head. Mm-hmm. 55 yard touchdown. You're going to see that more often. Yeah. Issue. That never happened with Jack Cohn because of the, it was, this is not a criticism of Jack Cohn. It's just style of play. You're not going to come running up at Jack Cohn. That's why he Jack Cohn had the one long touchdown run he had because they kept like waiting on him to throw the ball. You know what I mean? Or slide or something. It's like nobody ran to him. That, you know, it's like so true. Hey, man, that, did the did the play get blown dead? Why is this guy running down the field? You know. Um, but with Buckner's style of play, you have to respect at, his legs. Yes, you have to as a passer. And right. you go back and look at his high school film. I mean, there are several plays, Vince, where he's scrambling around. He just flips his hip and throws the ball over top of the defense. Keeping your eyes downfield while you're scrambling. Right. Such a huge thing when you're a quarterback. And right. he's really, really good at it. We're going to see. Yes. Yes. And we're going to see that more. So that's going to, you know, you're going to see Braden Lindsay come across the field on a drag route and they think he's coming up and Tyler's just going to pop that sucker right, right over the top 20 yards down the field. Braden's going to catch it and run for a long time. Or, or it could be Lorenzo or Michael sure. Mayer. I mean, just Braden was the first guy that popped in my head. So I think that's going to add to the to the production too. Yeah. Is that compliment of they need to help him out. He, his style of play helps them out is one of the things that to me that's going to make this, this situation impressive where I think this this Notre Dame receiving core has a chance to really see a jump in production because the talent's there. I mean, you know, I, I just I love fans who like, we're all ready to, you know, Deion Coles, he sucks now for some ungodly reason. Right. And we're going to have more faith in a guy that's never played a snap of college football. Why? Because we don't have anything negative to point to with him, right? Which I think is absurd because, you know, Deion Coles, he is his true freshman, looked a whole lot better than Equinemi St. Brown and Miles Boykin look as true freshman. And his production was about the same as Chase Claypool's as a true freshman. So, you know, he's talented. Tobias Merriweather's there. Avery Davis, we know. Braden Lindsey. Lorenzo Styles, Jaden Thomas, who I think also has ability. There's talent there. It's just they've got to step up and produce. Right. They all right? have to step. Right. They all have to take a step in their development. Right. And that's what you would anticipate with a good wide receivers coach and with guys that have talent to begin with. I mean, we all anticipate them taking an, a step. Right. It just depends right. on how big that step is. And we're predicting bigger steps for some and, you know, some not for others. Right. So that's a, that's kind of where where how I view that, Vince, is, is how I look at, at this group is I, I think it is a talented group. I think it is a group that has the ability to go out and be productive. It's a group that has a chance to go out and make plays. And I think they're going to. And, and I think that's the thing is because, you know, it, it's kind of like what 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 we talked about last year in in that. You know, we were frustrated that guys didn't play more. You know, we had you had seen practices and and we had we knew the talent and we we were asking ourselves like, why isn't Lorenzo Styles playing more? That was a conversation we had for much of the early part of the year. Was why isn't Lorenzo Styles playing more? And it's been a con, con, an annoying thing that we've talked about for years with this Notre Dame football team is why aren't these freshman players getting more playing time? And, and then when they finally are forced into the field, same thing with Logan Diggs last year, when they're forced into the field because of injuries, then all of a sudden they step up and they're playmakers and, and they step up and they're, they're good football players and they're able to kind of take that next step. So I, I think that the opportunity is going to be there for them this year. And if they're not able to take advantage, then, okay, then we can have that conversation. But I think the talent is there. I think a lot of these guys, when given the opportunity, have shown themselves to be able to make plays, even Deion Colsey. Had a couple of really nice plays last year. You know, thirty-yard post route catch against Georgia Tech. You made a nice catch against Stanford for for a play, and and so that helped them as well. So, those are the breakout players for Notre Dame, in in our opinion. Those are the five got five ish guys. You know, obviously the tackle would be the one that we see as being breakouts for Notre Dame. I think there's there's a lot of talent there. Uh, I think Tyler Buckner being a breakout player for this team takes things to a whole new level. And I think that's such an important thing because I think they can be a pretty good offense this year with Tyler with the quarterback play just being okay. You know, just because I do have faith in the offensive line, I do have faith in the talent, I do have faith in other aspects of it. Uh, but you know, I think it, it it for this for this to really take that next step as a program, they need the quarterback play to, to be better. And I think that's why Tyler Buckner, I think, will be a breakout player for Notre Dame. I think Tyler Buckner can be a breakout player for Notre Dame. Uh, but now it's show me time. And I think that's kind of the next step for Notre Dame. So